<laughs> oh, I get it. Because we're doing the three thing. Higgins, I'm so glad you finally asked. <laughs> Hold up three fingers, because it takes three things to make a great podcast. It takes great friends, great drinks, great comics. We've got them all here. So we're pretty much ready to do anything. Yeah, for our second episode. Yes, sir. Ready to hit it? Yeah. Welcome everybody to Comrades, Cocktails, and Comics, the show where we get together, we drink together, but most importantly, we read together. My name is Snoop Lynch. My co-host is right here. His name, Higgins Stern. That's the new intro. How are you? I'm doing all right. Pretty good? Yeah, how how about yourself? I'm pretty good. Got a few drinks in me. Got a few books by my side. A few mics out and about. I'm in my element, Higgins. I'm in a chair. I got those things. You're doing pretty well. well. I got like most of those things yeah my first drink's gone but i got another one right here you got everything you need right on your table we kind of put that burden on you but you know what i think it's in good hands i'm i've been tonight's bartender (laughs) boy have you bartended higgins our first podcast last month was maybe the biggest thing to happen to podcasting ever i saw us on the youtubes the the showtimes the stars the cbs news that poster behind the dumpster yeah that walmart where i play dice with my friends yeah you peed on the wall right in front of it only in like as an art form (laughs) but we wouldn't be there where we are right now without our fans without our fans and our our friends and our friends and we've got a lot to live up to second episode it's got to be better than the first one somehow bigger better ballsier ballsier that's not a good word it's what we're sticking with though isn't it (laughs) yeah we like alliteration here mm -hmm, mm -hmm, we do we like other things as well we'll get into but point is, to really up the ante here, we need to bring in some help. And we've done that by bringing in our friend, Steve Kiker. How are you? I'm great. It's, it's, it's great to be here. I'm, I appreciate you inviting me on the show, really. It's been fun thinking about it, getting ready for it. This day right here. Well, about this day. And now it's here. It's here. Are you the ready? First, well, it's not quite like I expected. It's good, though. We'll take that. It's good. I like yeah, it. I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready. <laughs> well, we're ready to have you here, too. We thank you for coming. Uh, I mean, we look better without seeing ourselves, so I understand. Yeah, if I could just oh, just hear the voice. No, I get it. <laughs> it's just nothing good over here. <laughs> I don't entirely hate the view. <laughs> but yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's we appreciate your support. You guys are beautiful. Oh, wow. Higgins, that's going to take us far in this episode. We're happy to have you here, though, Kiker. Seriously. Because we've got a lot of books to talk about. Just three of three them. Three of them. It was only two of us, so we really needed a third person. We needed three. Mm-hmm. This is our second episode. I don't know if I said that or not. Oddly enough, we didn't do this on our third you episode. You should have done it on your third. Yeah, but I mean... Why didn't you? It's still pretty That's fresh. what people would expect. Oh, <laughs> right. we got to throw them off the scent. Keep them interested. Uh, but yeah, our book that we read this week. That's right, Higgins. We read a book, and we're going to talk about here... This one is called We Three. We, we mentioned three. it last episode, so I hope everyone who's listening now read that or at least looked at the covers and thought, maybe that'll be interesting. I, I saw some some pictures. <sighs> Boy, can't wait to get into that. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about that book, talk about our favorite parts and what we think, while over just a, a nice trio of drinks. There's three animals in this book. I was thinking we introduce them as we go, since each book has, has a specific animal at the top. 
All How right. do you feel about that? Well, thing is, this is just as much your podcast as it is mine. I mean, I do all the editing and I have the mics to record it, but your contributions obviously matter. All right. So now that we just now we now that we're in agreement, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're gonna start with we're gonna start with your drink. You are the you are the top dog after all, and uh, the first issue is the dog. Yeah. So uh, this book, a little bit of things. You know, I love a little bit of research when I go into this. Oh, you right. So I got a few notes I, I wanted to share with you. Yeah, it's fine though. It's fine. Again, you have your podcast. Half, half your ride. Uh, but if if you would indulge me real quick, you too, Kiker, I figured I'd just share a couple of notes about this book with you before we kind of dive in. Is that something that sounds, is that up your alley? Yeah, it's written by Grant Morrison, right? <laughs> he is. But yeah, Frank Quietly, Grant Morrison wrote this book. Apparently longtime collaborators. I knew they had written stuff like All-Star Superman, uh, which is, you know, always a classic. But apparently this is on up there. I actually hadn't heard about this until you picked it, Higgins. And so... It's actually kind of hard to find stuff about this book. There's not a whole lot of interviews. Apparently, that's not Grant Morrison's shtick. He's too busy being the bad boy of comics, as you established last episode. That's all that leather. <laughs> but uh, this one was written from October 2004 to March 2005. Just three issues uh, about three characters, which are animals who were basically abducted by the government and the military, experimented on t- to turn them into mass weapons of destruction. Robotic weapons of destruction. Mm-hmm. So that's really all I knew about it. So I was really interested to get into it. Frank Quietly has kind of talked the most about this that I can find. And I think it's kind of interesting to see his take on it just because, and I'll probably get into this later, the art's a huge part of this book, if not the biggest part of this book. Yeah, at least um, half. At least half, yeah. Uh, that's where the two comes in. And so he pitched him three stories back in the day. He's like, I want you to pick the one that you want to work on. So the first two were ones called Sea Guy and Vimanorama. And he's like, nope, pass. What else you got? What's the last yeah, one? Because he knew he was saving the best for last. And so that's when he pitched Wii 3. And at first he apparently just laughed out loud because it is a ridiculous concept, I think, right? It's just wild. You know, animals as weapons, I don't agree with. It's like, just use people. Don't put, don't kidnap pets. But we'll get into that, right? Well, they got robot armor. Bold stance for you to take, Kiker. To- not many people would agree with that. Whoa, wait, wait. Not many people would agree with not using pets? <laughs> 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 well, that's why we got three over here. I mm-hmm. did get a pet specifically to send to war. For to send to war. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm training him right now. He doesn't have the armor. That'll come in time, though. He doesn't poop bombs. Yeah, I think they grew that after their like fourth or fifth. When they year. hit about one, is where they they really start to grow into that. Okay. I think yeah. Um, you have to buy the weapons separately though. Weapons. It's like a free pet. Like when someone gives you a pet in the parking lot, and they're like free puppy. It's never free. Weapons separately, got it. <laughs> We're all learning here. But yeah, I thought this was an interesting book just based on the concept. But the thing is about me, and I think I talked to you about this before, Higgins, Grant Morrison as a writer, I know people love that man. They love all the weird shit he'll do. And he will do a lot of weird stuff, and he'll break new ground and all this and that. But as far as a writer goes, he loses me a lot of times. So I was interested to get into this. And overall, just kind of like first opinions, I liked it. Yeah. I, I really did. It's not perfect to me, but it is really good. Yeah, it's way better than I ever expected it to be. I mean, I didn't know anything about it when I started started it, so mm-hmm. it exceeded the expectations, the very low expectations I set for most things. <laughs> Kiger, did you like it? I I thought it was good. It was, gosh, it was a little gratuitous, but maybe for re- I'm not I'm not a, the brightest guy around. Maybe for a reason. I did, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was I, I was crying by the second issue. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a tough scene in there. Are we mm-hmm. touching on the... I mean, I, I can tell you all oh, about it. But man's got notes. We'll get into that. We'll get there. We'll get into that, please, <laughs> yes. No, I'm glad you... I'm glad we all 
pretty much seemed to like it. Um, if this had been any longer than three, three, it probably would have been horrible. Really? But the fact that it was three, like, nailed it down. It could have used maybe, maybe like one or two more to seal the seal the story down. But if I don't think it would have been a good long running. Yeah, that's the thing with me is um, I don't know how many comics you guys have read by Grant Morrison. I mean, he's written a lot, and a lot of his stuff is well regarded. He'll bring in a lot of these ideas, and they're all, don't get me wrong, they're all interesting, and they're fresh, and it's something, like, it's it's just a good take on something I would have never thought of. But narratively, his pacing is quick, and he tends to lose a lot of plot points in that, I feel. Like, he'll just introduce a thing and then never come back to it. And sometimes that does work, narratively. Like, that works with writing. But the ones he usually does, at least from my point of view, the story's not complete without going into that. And he does that here, but it actually does work, keeping that that fast pace and you know all that action, little dialogue. And the art, Frank Quietly's art, paired with that, work really well to tell a, a tight story, but also with a lot of heart. Not like you were saying, you, you almost cried during the second issue. Just two issues in, you felt that emotion, and I, I, I did too. I mean, I'm oh, yeah. dead inside, so I don't cry, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you mentioned how Morrison will touch on something and then never return to it. I thought it did kind of annoy me. They mentioned medication, that they almost need medication about twice, and it seems like it. they mention it at a point where you think it's going to be a pretty big deal that they need their medication, and then it never happens again. Exactly, they yeah. They never mention it again. I, that did bother me. Otherwise, though, I yeah, like I love the fast pace, how quickly it seems the action happens and they get right into everything. I think it's kind of because all that other stuff is so well done, you do kind of forgive the oh, yeah. the little plot holes in it because that was the I, I reread this today. Um, it's super fast, like just super quick. But even rereading it, it kind of refreshed my mind of stuff like that. The medication being the big one, but you almost don't care. And I'm not saying it's a good thing. You know, as a writer, you should cover that if it does if you do kind of set the groundwork. But it's the characters in the story that you you're really attached to, and so you focus on that, not so much like the issues with the plot. Right. And you could tell they were sick. So, I mean, I guess, but then they never touch. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think the art is what make like, the art is this book. Like, Frank Quietly's art is amazing. And it's, like you said, it's gratuitous. It's it's ultra violent. Like There's so much blood. Limbs yeah. getting chopped off. Heads being ripped with their spines still attached. Like, corpses cut in half. It's single foots stuck in the shoe. I can oh, man. Right now. If you made a, if you made a drinking game, just... Anytime there was gore, you'd be hammered by the middle of the first act. Don't need that. I'm hammered right now. <laughs> We're working on it at least. Oh, I've sorry. I've got the salty dog, by the way. We usually yeah, talk about yeah, the-, the first one. <laughs> we'll start with that. The first issue, it's called Bandit, and that's the name of the dog. Mm-hmm. And so we got a dog-themed drink for you tonight called the Salty Dog. I got the Salty Dog. We've got a What's lot of drinks that? here. It's got gin and juice in it. Gin and juice. With the salty rim. <laughs> Short to the point, I like that. I don't just like this book. Did you plan that, Snoop Dogg, <laughs> sipping on gin and juice? He made the podcast for this. Damn, I'll know it. <laughs> don't think he didn't have other plans. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we got the salty dog here. It's actually pretty good. I don't think it's my favorite drink of the night. Oh yeah, we have three drinks. Mm-hmm, that's right, because there's three animals. There's three books. There's and three this is of our us. second episode. Mm-hmm. Three. Pretty much all lines up except that last part, won't you say? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll link all the 
like the ingredients and the drinks themselves, how to make it. I'll link all that in the podcast episode in case anyone wants to actually make these at home. That is one salty dog, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I swear the first salt lick really gets you. It'll, it'll almost, it almost sets the mood for the whole drink, but then you get the next one and you realize, oh, that's not so salty. Mm-hmm. I'm really getting into it, though. Sometimes just the salt is nice. <laughs> just down that salt kiker. Dude, uh, but these animals right up the right up the rip. We see these bad guys, right? And this is probably like one of my favorite parts. Just any of the gratuitous violence scenes. I'll just say that that's one of my favorite parts of this okay. of these books in total. But this first one where they take down this this cartel and they blow him to pieces with their guns. I don't know which animal it is. I think it's the dog. The dog has guns. The cat has claws. The rabbit has gas and and bombs I and think. bombs that come out of his butt. And uh, pellet I, bombs. Yeah, yeah pellet bombs. Yeah, I read about this as well when Frank Quietly did the character design as well for these. And when he was coming up with it, he wanted to make the armor fit the anatomy of the animal it was attached to. That's why when, I mean, the armor itself is real futuristic looking. It's real weird, and you can see the shape of the animal itself. Like you see a dog, you see, yeah, you see a, a rabbit, you see all, and even their weapons and how they come out. I thought that was really cool is like the the cat its nails shoot out uh the rabbit shits bombs or whatever and and has poisonous gas uh and then the dog is basically a tank and he also based this armor like it's heavily influenced apparently on like the armor of bugs like a cockroach or anything just with anything with a, a hard shell that's kind of where he got the inspiration for it yeah i thought it was really cool and like i said I'll say it over and over again, probably. Not because I have any beef with Grant Morrison, uh, but this is Frank Quietly's book to me. It really is told. You don't have to write that many words. <laughs> but I think that's why, I think that's what really sells it as Frank Quietly's book is because yeah. you know everything that's going on in the story. You feel all the emotions. You, you know where the plot's going. It's never confusing because of the art. There's not a lot of dialogue, but... That's because you don't need it when the art is just able to tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, I'm a big fan of show don't tell, and that book, this book, did a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And one of your favorite parts, if I'm not mistaken, right, when uh, the world finds out that that cartel guy's been assassinated on the newspaper. Oh right, I love the. Gosh, there was that scene. You see the panel where he's slicing open. It was such a small detail. He slices open the package of newspapers and. It's such a small thing, but you see a slice on the top paper. Like, of course there'd be a cut there, but also, I like how it bookended. It opens with a newspaper and closes with a newspaper. You could almost read just the newspaper headlines and get the story. Yeah, and this book, because it is so short and just quick, it does benefit from multiple readings because you do breeze through it. Like, I got through both these. Like, each time I read this, it only took, like, less than an hour. But by reading it more and more you notice all the intricate detail in each panel because there is something going on in each panel. It's very, like, it's quick and it seems, like, scattered. But if you take the time to, you know, see what's going on, it's just so well laid out. Even the scenes, like, where... they I don't know if I've seen this a lot in a, in a comic book where... That mosaic-style stuff? Mm-hmm, yeah. With, where, like, the panels in place in, like other panels of action exactly and there will literally be action jumping from panel to panel like uh i think when they fight uh just like the government chasing him and stuff like Mm -hmm. that whenever they get into a a fight with like a helicopter later on number four uh the cat in particular 
I think is really interesting because he'll tackle someone or you know claw at someone and go from panel to panel. Oh, I loved when you saw it in the. It's so hard to explain. It was like windows. Each it's three dimensional. Yeah. Yeah, the panels were drawn as three dimensional, almost like windows. You saw the art tilted, and the cat was literally like jumping through each of these windows to. It looked so good. I don't. I can't do it justice with words. No, no, I know exactly what you're saying. And it, it progresses the story and it, you follow it so well. It is kind of shocking at first because, again, I haven't really seen a lot of comics do something like that. But I think it's also a good thing because I can still tell what's going on and it's unique. It looks great. Yeah, and it also, not quite the same thing, it also pops up a different way in this first issue. They get done with that mission and they, uh, they're showing off all these robotic animals to the to the head honchos and they're like yeah we're gonna we're gonna close these guys down we're gonna we don't need them anymore and this this scientist lady's been working with them for years and she's like i don't know about that so you see this basically security footage of like her deciding to keep these guys alive and it's pretty wild especially towards the end of that when she's like about to leave and she's like oh i hear them they're coming for me and then they just burst past her. That's right. She says something basically like, kill me, I deserve it kind of thing, which she is the one who designed this armor. She's the one who trained these animals to you know, fight and everything. So And to talk. So I got this. I didn't even really get this until I read it again, but basically like as far as the human side of it goes, it's a lot of like, you know, man's the real monster, all this and that, but also has to deal with guilt. Like there's certain characters in this, the scientists, uh, uh, I think her name's like Dr. Barry Roseanne or something. Roseanne Barry. Yeah. Um, Dr. Roseanne she Barry. She realizes what she's done. And if you look at the covers, like you said, each one is a, is the different animal. But the covers themselves are them before they got abducted. They're lost, po- they're lost yeah. posters. And so that really, it does two things. It shows what the government and the military, like how evil they are in this, where they're willing to just take someone's pet a pet that has done nothing wrong. You know, it's just a dog, it's just a cat, like just something that shows you nothing but loyalty and love and turn it into this killing machine and use it and then just throw it away when you're done. And it also shows, for the scientist in particular, to me anyway, she realizes how far she's gone and it needs to stop. And so she does decide to just let them loose and she says she deserves to die because of what she did to these animals and what it's even causing. Like, she started this, but the military is just taking it from her and just or taking it way farther. Like, you see the rats and, like, how they don't even care. Like, they'll send these in and just kill anyone without a second thought. They can't control them with a controller, or they want to be able to control them with just a regular, like, you know, Xbox controller. And that's what this book is about, is, is it's very anti-war. And I get to see how, like, terrible that side of it is. So I find that all really cool. Yeah, and you mentioned the the covers. I I haven't seen many comics normally with something like Spider-Man. You'll see Spider-Man and the villain of that issue in a cool action pose. But I've never seen a cover also used to tell the story. Like you said, the 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 covers are are lost posters, missing posters for the animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you already went over this. It does tell you that the government took these animals from people. It adds humanity to the animals and and it does tell you more about what this program is. Yeah, and how seedy it is, yeah. And, like, those were just almost, like, someone else in that world is just missing their pet. Like Right. <laughs> yeah, I always wondered about uh, Johnny and Claire, you know? Or, <laughs> oh, man. And the way they're written. 
specifically Pirate's missing poster. It, it was such a small touch, but it was written in one color crayon, and then it says, thanks, Johnny, and then you see in a different color crayon, and Claire. And I just, like, it was... It's probably like some kid's pet. Right, like the and, kid's... Yeah, the kid and his sister or something, or... It made me feel for characters that were never even introduced in the story, but it's such a nice touch to see covers used to convey story, yeah, too. Yeah, to progress the plot, because a lot of times covers for comics are... They're, they're clickbait, like... Right. You know, like... I read a comic recently, and literally I picked it up because of the cover, because of how ridiculous it was. It's like a Valentine's DC special, and it was just like, Darkseid's and Lois Lane are in love. The story itself isn't about that at all. And I'm like, well, man, I wanted to read that story, and it, like, it makes you mad. But with this, it's not the case. It, it's it's just adding to the to the content, which is is good, because this is only three issues, and it does have a story to tell, but that is very like brisk. Like That's, that's a testament to his writing, is... Obviously, like Frank Quietly did a great job with the art, and it tells the story in a great way. But Grant Morrison didn't know where he wanted to go with this. He had this idea in his head, and it's a really compelling story. And the characters are all really endearing, which is weird when you think about it, because the main characters and really the only characters we really get a face for. That's something else I, I kind of found cool was if you go back and you look at it, a lot of the human characters, like the military and everything, the, especially the evil ones. You don't really you don't see, see their, their face. face. Yeah, it totally serves to dehumanize them, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good thing for the villains. You want that almost. And how how twisted they are, and how they like they make themselves seem like they're the heroes, and how they're the the ones being hurt. Because um, I think it's right after they escape that facility, they send a bunch of soldiers out there, right? And to try to get them, and they're all murdered brutally. But, oh my gosh, they they died so terribly. It's like nails through the eyes, like oh. heads crushed. It's it is horrible. <laughs> eyes deflated. I've never seen an eye deflate like that. I know. But what's cool about that is it cuts back and forth to the people in charge who sent those soldiers in being like, "Oh my god, these are monsters. How could they do this? They're only attacking them because they feel threatened." It's in defense. They were prog- and they were programmed to attack what threatens them too, which mm-hmm. which they all the humans did that, and they told them right. that to be fair too. Doctor Trindle, he is drawn as the ugliest, if I can say this, motherfucker I've ever seen. I'll allow it. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll leave okay. it in. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he's drawn as just ugly. He's his teeth. He's his sneer. A cheesy mustache. Oh, he just looks evil. Disheveled hair. And then, like you said, he he twists everything to seem like. He, I think it's in issue three. He says something like, "No, it's at the end of issue two. He says, "Well, I hope, I hope for our sake, Miss Doctor Barry, you can, you can fix this." How how he makes himself the victim, mm-hmm. even though he's torture, he's subjecting these animals and these these people even to, to this. Yeah, he comes around at the end though. Yeah, I thought I that thought was cool. Was so weird. It is a little strange, but I do like it. Um, but kind of going back to what you were saying how they were going to use that woman you know the woman who let him go and everything i like how they say if the rats don't work we're sending you in to take care of them and it's not because she raised them so they think like well they obviously think that she'll kind of get to them but it's just they don't care what happens to that that woman because if they do think they're as dangerous as they are they think they're just gonna murder anyone in their sight they still send that woman out to hopefully fix their mess. I didn't even catch that. I didn't think of it like that. But that's a really neat take on it. There's so much of that in this book as far as like, and there's not a lot of redeemable human characters in that. Even like, that's the thing, even 
the the scientist, the Dr. Roseberry, Rosenberry, Rosenbaum, Rosenberry, uh, Rose, Roseanne, Rose, Dr. Roseanne, Roseanne Barr, Dr. Roseanne Barr. Barr. That's her name. <laughs> the Connor family. Yes, I think the Connors. Um, but even even her, like in this particular story where we come in and at, she does seem like a good person. But if you think about it, she started all this. She came up with the technology. She came up with the armor. She trained these these animals who were doing nothing but you know spending time with their their owners into killers. So she's not a great person. She just feels guilty and she does want to redeem herself. But none of these human characters in here are good. I think that really makes the animals as great of a character as they are. It adds to their character because they're the only ones you want to root for. They're trying to go I think Bandit's the leader. Bandit's the dog. Tinker's the cat. Uh you yeah, speaking of the cat. Pirate. Pirates the bunny because he's got the, the cute patch. Higgins likes the patch on it. On I love the, I do patch. Like the patch. That's mm. such a good name. But uh, speaking of the cat, we're about halfway through. Kiker, what are you drinking on over there? I got a good old <laughs> second. Is- the second issue of this pot uh, of this uh, specific graphic novel is the cat, which is named which is named uh, Tinker. Tinker after the cat that they stole. I'm drinking a good old. I mean, it's it's. It's Ooh, not there it's anymore. Full. It's <laughs> it's as full as it could be. I'm drinking it. It's delicious. It's actually not full. Cheshire, a good old Cheshire cat. So uh, Chesterfield cat. I think it's it's vodka, vodka, more vodka, a little bit more vodka, and then some sugar. And you some, put some sugar in that. Put that, the sugar on the rim mm-hmm. and some grenadine and some blue curry. Curacao. Curacao. Yeah. Curacao. It's blue, and you put some red in it. Purple, like the cat from. Awesome Wonderland. Awesome Wonderland. Mm-hmm. It's just as tasty as that cat. And it'll really send you down the rabbit hole, right? <laughs> That'll send you down the rabbit hole. That rat. was that joke you made earlier. Wasn't that was it? the joke I made before it was we funny were recording. Back it was then. good. I hope he puts hope, it in. I hope they laugh. We should have a laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> that in way, if they, they don't, don't laugh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, if they don't laugh, we'll tell them when they should and they'll get the idea. <laughs> That's what I like about having you on here, Cocker. You're just bringing fresh ideas. Thank you. Two episodes in. We're already much farther than we were. We're three steps ahead. Um, what were we talking about? You were talking about the cat. You like the, the cat. What did you like about the cat? I liked how sneaky he was and how mean he was. Because in that, right before that, right before they start getting chased, he's like, I'm just going to sit here and uh, attack these birds and eat them. Honestly, my favorite character, just kind of, I'll probably talk about more, but my favorite character is Pirate. Um, I think that's a unanimous he's decision. Oh, he's, he's really great. great. Pirate's uh, the best. But it is cool to see uh, Bandit's the dog and Tinker's the cat. It's cool to see those two, how this has affected them. Because Bandit is a dog. And. The thing is, no matter how much they've been experimented on, they retain the qualities of the animal they are. Ben is a lot more forgiving. He's loyal, uh, loving. The cat, however, is just like all cats are. He hates the world anyway, but this has just pushed him farther and farther over the edge. And he's so sneaky. He doesn't Stealthy. care. Yeah, and but he doesn't care who he ha- has to kill. And he hates... The only uh, it seems the only human he really likes, at least in the beginning, is the scientist. But even then, he doesn't really like her. He calls he, her stink. Yeah, stink. He, he tolerates her because stink. he's like he's like going to a job he doesn't like. You know, he he clocks in and he he just he does what he's told, but he he hates every minute of it. Whereas the dog is, he still sees the good in people. Like even when they're going like you know try, look for this new home because they don't want to be decommissioned, the dog is looking out for everyone around him. He just wants to go home. 
Well, he wants to go home, but he wants the whole group to go home. He wa- he wants them to stay together. He's pretty much like he's the moral center of the group, and he's the he's the glue of it. He holds everything together. He wants to be that good dog. He wants to be a good God, dog. What a good dog. Mm-hmm. He is a good. Dog. <laughs> he's a good dog. <laughs> Those were the best scenes. The good dog, bad dog scenes. Yeah, like what's cool about that character because they don't really speak much. They can they pretty much just say. Like if you if you thought a dog, what would it say? This is what it would say: is good. Am I a good dog? Am I a bad dog? Kind of thing. He sees someone in danger, especially if it's someone that is in danger because of them on the run. Uh, one of my favorite scenes with Bandit is the train scene, uh, where they're fighting the rats and a train comes by, and the bridge is blown up and the train falls down, and so do Tinker and, and Bandit. Tinker gets out of there. But Bandit's worried about the people on the train, and he pulls a guy out. Thing is, though, that guy's already dead. He's literally cut in half. But Bandit doesn't even really think about that. Like, he just thinks about getting that person out of the water and saving him. Oh, yeah, that was gross. It was the first scene where I really felt like these characters had character, though. Was that him pulling that dead guy out of the water, not even thinking about whether or not he's alive or dead. Yeah, just getting him to safety. They each have their own, like, own qualities that... Like you see, honestly, they're more like they're more human than any of the humans in this book because of those base instincts they have. Uh, even Tinker, like he doesn't really care that it's not that he even hates people. He is just sick of them, but he's not trying to really go out and murder anyone. He's just if anyone gets in his way, he'll kill him without a second thought, uh, and he's good at it. <laughs> Some of the most brutal fights are with Tinker. Like, I was just looking at these fight scenes, and I I don't know if you guys saw it, but in those mosaic ones. There's like a tooth flying, a foot flying, and then there's like a lucky rabbit's foot flying that someone, one of the army guys... I saw that earlier And I today. was like, that's pretty good. Yeah, I loved that. But yeah, we've been working our way up to this this whole time, and like, there's a really sad part. It made you cry. And uh, what happened? Do you want to tell him? You, I don't want to, but I will. The rabbit, he, he goes up to this human, and I guess because he's a dumb rabbit, he thinks he's a cool guy. And he tries talking to the guy, but the guy is so shocked by the rabbit talking and... The rabbit talking and, like, the giant robot and suit. The, and the armor, yeah, the robot suit, probably. He shoots the rabbit in the head. And, oh, my gosh, if the rabbit isn't used for for gore pleasure for the rest of the series... He, he can't, can't talk. talk. He can't talk after that. It's just that. A me- his, voice, his voice box is messed up. Oh, it made me so sad, man. That was when the rabbit, ironically, the guy who I thought had no character, became my favorite character as soon as that moment hit. I felt... Oh man, that's a. Oh. I'm gonna cry right now. <laughs> hey, let's go get him some tissue. Uh, White, thank you. Good. I'm good. Wink. Ching. Brought it back. Don't worry. I love a good callback, but uh, it's kind of a good scene to end that issue with because it shows how desperate things are getting. Like that is the saddest, probably one of the saddest moments in the book. Because what I see when I read about. When I read this book, what I see in Pirate is almost like a child where he really doesn't understand what's going on. He's following the other two just kind of blindly because he expects them to take care of him and protect him. And Bandit also gets a good moment in that scene where he does get shot by that guy. He feels terrible because he was supposed to look after Pirate because he doesn't. Pirate doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what he's doing. The only reason he went up to that guy is because he got injured in the previous fight on the bridge, and so he he's like, oh, well, every time I get hurt or I get injured and, you know, before, the humans fix me. So that's why he went up to that human. He's like, fix, you know, fix my tail. That's all I want. Uh, you know, it'll help me. But 
he's naive and it's it's sad to see even when he gets shot he's not dead you're right but even then it's it's sad because none of these characters ask for that but rabbit in, or pirate in particular is truly innocent and i think that's why he's one of my favorite characters is because it really drops on the emotion of these characters shouldn't even be in this situation at all also every time they're in trouble rabbit is the one to save them and i think that's why he he's so good he's so pure he's a pure boy he's a great support center like most of the time they get in a fight he gets them out of it even without any real like concern for himself i love i love that about him too he just poops his bombs he's such a pure boy we're talking about the rabbit and we came to the end of the second issue which i'll mention one more thing we see that like super huge like number four that reveal the mastiff it's pretty tight yeah uh i didn't even notice this until going through it again they tell you what number four is they mention it in like yeah they call it a mastiff Mm -hmm. but not to like that magnitude like that yeah that dog's i didn't expect that He's kind of a victim as well, but as far as an antagonist go, it's everything you want. It's You've seen what these animals can do. You see how dangerous they are. The main guy. But then you see this thing, and you're like, they stand no chance. Yeah, we'll jump into three, because that's where all the number four fights happen. But I wanted to talk about the drink that I had been drinking, mm-hmm. and it's called the White Rabbit. It's just a White Russian, I it's, think. It's It's got extra stuff. I don't know what's in it. <laughs> it's got some Amaretto. It's got some Baileys. It's got some Kahlua. And it's got some white rum. We have Captain Morgan. You guys do what you want. Probably do Captain Morgan, though. But I just said, like, three brand names. So, like, once again, all that podcast money that we're about to get, guys. <laughs> just Please roll and then, subscribe uh, to Patreon. <laughs> yeah, we put all those We put all those together and then add a, add add some half and half to it. And it tastes like an, a nice, creamy kind of, like, coffee, liqueur, beverage. This is the strongest drink of the night, I think. Yeah, it's strong. It. I had, I don't know, some of them. Gary's upset. And, yeah. Where's my cat? He's he's not killing anybody, I don't think. Speaking of uh, this new drink, do you guys want to make... Should we? Well, I I have one, but, like, you guys are... I don't know if we're still doing this. Well, For comics... Higgins wants a drink, so we'll do that real quick. Don't worry, I'll leave all this dead space in. Yeah, good. Oh, great. <laughs> I have a drink, but you're lacking. What do you mean? You've been gone since, like, we started. All right, we're back. We've we're, made some we're drinks. We're three. Issue three? Yeah, issue three of the We Three, episode two. You've had more than two drinks, I could tell. Never. <laughs> You've had at least three drinks. We need three drinks each. No, I think this is four. Well, tell and the viewers uh, it was three, the listeners. No, the, no, four drinks works, Higgins, because we've got the character number four. We introduced, like, the nicest, like, human character in, like, the whole... The whole uh, graphic novel. Yeah, the only good one, right? Yeah, the only good one. Who is? Of course, it's the homeless guy. He was an ugly homeless guy, but he was the prettiest drawn character in the whole series. And I thought that, I don't know if Frank Quietly does that on purpose, that he draws characters ugly to show that they're ugly inside. I don't know. I watched, uh, I just looked at a picture of this guy and he he looks pretty goofy. So The homeless guy? No, no, like the (laughs) Frank Quietly. What if he's listening? He looks a little weird. So he's like, the weird guys I'm going to draw a little better because, like, I'm sorry, Frank Quietly. I know you're listening. <laughs> Frank, Frank Quietly is our number one listener. He's He's got his mouse hovering above the unsubscribe button right now, Higgins. <laughs> and that's all on you. You're beautiful. 
But I thought it was weird how you drew the homeless man, the prettiest of everyone, but it, he was the nicest man. He had no flaws. He was a perfect boy. <laughs> yeah, because you get this outside party in here who sees them as animals, but also is disgusted as much as we are with what people have done to them. They, Just like this podcast. You're disgusted with this podcast. No, no, I'm disgusted with what people of Captain Morgan has done to you. <laughs> Captain Morgan. I also want to say, if I if I can, if I have the time, I graded each first page of each issue based on each other. Issue three had the best first page. It caught my eye. It's raining and there's trains, and that's kind of, it's new because you haven't seen this scene. So it, it really catches your eye. And then you see the homeless man, and you say, how is this homeless man connected? But he goes to the animals, and then you see. I think the first page is the most important for any comic, and this first page was the best of the three issues. I grade a plus plus, yeah. With uh, that scene, the opening scene of the homeless guy, kind of why he fits into this. I think what's a cool thing about that is is a new character at the very end of the the story, but what's important is he's a good person, and to show that even in the beginning is he after he he sees the animals, he feeds them and everything, he walks out and. The government has been on on the animal's trail. Like they're looking for them. They they want to put them down. So they they find the homeless guy and like, hey, have you seen these animals? We'll give you a huge amount of money. Obviously, like you'd think, yeah, he's gonna take that. He's just he you know he doesn't owe anything to these animals. He doesn't really even know them. He just came across them. But he tells them, you know, like fuck off. Like, he literally says, he "You man. fascist pigs will never find <laughs> these animals." You fascist pig assholes. Aside from pirate, which unanimously we all agree is the best character. Number homeless one. guy second best character <laughs> I loved him which now that we're in the third issue we can tell you why he's my favorite character and it's when he like is in the fight with Mastiff and uh he gets he gets eaten by Mastiff we'll say it he gets uh he gets taken out by the rest in peace yeah rest in peace but like as he's getting taken out he's like oops and like a, a rabbit pellet grenade like pops out yeah there's a great panel in that when that happens where you see a close-up on Pirate's face and he just stares that huge monstrosity down because he wants to protect his friends. That's what's important to him. And that, even if he, angry eyes. Because he knows that they're, you know, this thing's here to hurt his friends and he won't stand for it. And so he blows himself up. And it's a really sad scene. But that's kind of like, that's... That's the nail in the coffin. That's what makes this character the number one character. He might be number three on the page, but he's number one in our hearts. Did you see what he just did there? I, I love it. it. It was a little corny, right? Uh-oh. No, no. Uh, so what Snoop said? Number, number, number three, three on the no, page. No, I like that. <laughs> I love that. I really... It was heartbreaking. Pirate in Weapon 4's mouth, and that was drawn so perfectly, but he's horrifying at the same time. The thing about number four... He's not in this book a lot. He shows up the first time at the end of uh, the second issue, and then it takes a little bit for him to finally pop up and go into action. But in that fight, you see how much of a machine he is. Like, even more so than the animals we've seen up to this point. Like, the thing is about Bandit, Tinker, and Pirate is they still have consciousness. They still are themselves on the inside. This thing is just... Kill, you know, point me and kill. And he's literally, like, I mentioned the controller earlier. That's how they're using him is they've got the controller in a van or whatever and 
telling him exactly what to do. He has no thought whatsoever. And it shows how far these people are willing to go. You know, they don't see these they don't see these as animals. They don't see these as beings. They see them as weapons and that's it. So it really drives home like how bad these humans are and how dangerous they are. Like the whole thing is like they've been saying like we've got to kill these monsters before someone gets hurt. They're the monsters. <laughs> right. You see it earlier, before, I think it may be before the Weapon 3 fight, but you see the scientist, Dr. Trindle, he says um, something like, humans were never supposed to be hurt in all this. That was the whole reason for these experiments. Him and, and Dr. Rosenbaum, Rosa, Roseanne Barberi, they've kind of lost control of what they started. Like the, go, the military came in, which is who they wanted to come in. You know, They wanted to get on board with this project and fund it and make all the cash or whatever. But they've taken it over, and their opinion doesn't matter because that's where you see this character, the, the Dr. Trindle, he starts to feel guilty about what he's done, right? But it's out of his hands. Like, he tells him to stop. And what really drives him over the edge is where um, Dr. Barry is killed because that is his colleague. Yeah, she gets right. gunned down. Oh, and he even said, it, that kind of made me sad too. He says, did so, did something happen to Dr. Barry? And it's, he realized, man, he's watching. He's watching what happens and he, he still can't, he's shocked by the destruction that he he and the Senator Washingberg? Washington. Senator Washington, what a name. Senator Washington or cause. He's still shocked by that. And I think that was, I guess that was the turning point for him. Yeah, it really is just, there's only two characters who try to redeem themselves after after everything that's happened, and it doesn't make them good people at all. Like they're still bad people, but it was kind of interesting to see them not be completely lost like some of these other guys were. Um, the only good thing about that is it in turn helps the the main characters. It helps the animals out. Yeah, it helps them win that fight. That is a great fight. It's a great like last. I mean, stand. they don't even technically win it. But, like, they, they do their best. It does a classic Tinker mosaic scene again. And that that whole bit is, uh, there's a great line about that where I think uh, one of them says, like, one thing that Dr. Barry did well is teach them how to work as a team. Mm-hmm. And that's where Tinker comes in. Right, right before, yeah. Yeah, and he pounces on them. And that's how they're able to put up a fight against number four. Because number four does have them all outmatched, you know, one-on-one. But that's not how they do things. They fight together. That's how they were trained. And also they're a family. Three. Yeah, we we together we three. Yeah, we th- we guys are three. We three. They say that a bunch of times anyway. Continue. Yeah. Uh so it's cool to see again the strength in numbers and they have more experience than number 4. Number 4 hasn't been out in the field anyway. Right, they say he only had one test, right? Mm, because they were still like he's a new experiment, you know, right. they don't really so it's fucked up. <laughs> it's real fucked up. Uh and then of course he gets his head blown off because oh, that Something about that was more sad than him. Well, it just showed how like uh, how worthless all the their little animal robots were to him, or how they yeah, yeah how like they how them. replaceable they are. They're like, oh yeah, this guy's not working. He's gonna mess that, things up. Like just right. Just that was more quick. sad than if we three had actually killed him themselves. It was yeah. I never saw number four as an antagonist. Really, I just saw him as like he's a weapon, obviously, but. Just as the same as the others, he never asked to be in that position he was in, and they killed him without a second thought because right. it looked bad for them if people started seeing this. And he's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. I get that. Yeah, 
Yeah. And then everything's right with the world. It was a lot happier than I thought it was going to end up being, right? I know. God, when I saw... They lose their robot. They lose their robot armor. It falls off eventually. They turn into regular animals. They're still pretty sick. But once they're outside of their armor, they seem to be, like, slowly getting better. It kind of comes full circle, where Kiker mentions the in the beginning about how, like, they open the newspaper, right? And the gorilla guy or whatever his name is has been killed. So they open the newspaper again at the end. And it shows that he turned on him because, again, everything that happened, you know, seeing his colleague get killed, he's like, this is enough. And he exposes them for what they are. And he it, gave that homeless man $400. So much money. I loved it? that. The homeless guy may not have known who he was or who the animal. He probably knew who the animals were. The homeless guy may not have known who Dr. Trindle was, but Dr. Trindle certainly knew who his animals, animals were. were yeah. And he was, he showed more humanity, maybe than even Roseanne Barr. Maybe. It's not a high... <laughs> It's not that hard to do. Right. <laughs> One thing I do want to ask about, because I don't know if you guys caught this. It was very, their speech is a little, we'll say it now because I don't think we touched on it earlier. Their speech is pretty muddled. It's As is ours right now after like four or five drinks. Right. They, they, talk like, they talk like animals. They don't let you forget at all that they're animals, which is great. Bandit said something at the end. He said, is black far where? Where is Bandit? And I didn't get that. I was hoping one of you two could explain it to me when he said it's black for where. So what I took it as, he's like on like dire straits right there. And he's like, is black, like it's black where I'm at. His speech is broken and like he's fading out. And it's the only part of the book that really kind of like it hurts. It messes me up a little bit is again, you have that huge thing in the beginning and they bring it up multiple times is. They don't have their medication. They'll die out eventually. And I know how he's trying to get around that is they shed the armor. They'll be fine now. But that dog was on death's door. <laughs> That's what made me think it was a scientist at first. But And it's fine. Like I said, the, the rest of this book being what it is and how good it is makes kind of makes up for those, those minor plot holes and issues I have with it. But I, I forgive it. I really do. So we've reached the end here. And... We did this last week, and I have I had an idea in my head for this this week. Does that happen often, Higgins? Maybe do like a like a rating, and I had one in my brain. Tell me your rating. Four perfectly placed rabbit pellets out of five. Okay, may I go? Yeah. All right. I prefer longer stories, but for the length that it was, I would give it three point nine beautiful cat toenails out of eight. No. Five. Yeah, wow. Five. I went down. I thought it was going to go up. I know. I'm sorry. I did love it. it. The speech was confusing. The humans were ugly, which I think was on purpose. And then the thing about medication did bother me enough that I thought it was 0.5 worse because of that. <laughs> I don't know why that bothers me as much as it does, but it's. I've already said my, my spiel. R- right. As far as my rating goes, I'm going to give this two Frank Quietly's out of three. Frank Quietly really did. Like you said, he made this shit. Two Frank Quietly's out of three is a good is a good score. All right. Well, we've all given our ratings, and they all sound pretty good. So do we have any housekeeping things we need to do? We do need to clean up after this, is that what, if that's what you mean. Well, I mean, like... I'll let you close things out. Tell us some things. All right. So uh, this is our second episode. We don't, we don't have a lot going on right now. We're thinking about some stuff. We might tell you about them later. But for right now, we have Twitter. And my Twitter handle is MikeHiggins93. And I hope you can spell that. Higgins is in the podcast name and Mike's pretty easy. And then uh, my buddy 
Snoop Lynch over there has a real easy one for you. What is it? It's at Snoop underscore Lynch. It's also that on Instagram where I'm mostly at. I have Twitter. I don't ever look at it. I have an Instagram too. It's jsterm93. And uh, Kiker, do you, do you have any place you might want people to find you? or I go on Reddit sometimes. We'll just give them your phone number and your social security number. My social security is 843-892656. Use that number to buy We 3 and hardcover edition. Support this book. Buy We 3, support Grant Morrison, support Frank Quietly, support alcohol. Support animals with armor on their skins. We 3 can be bought on apple3.com. Yeah, we're on Apple, Stitcher, and... uh. Higgins, we're on it all. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play Music Podcast. We're on Stitcher. We're on something called Pocket Cast. We're mostly on Simplecast. That's our hosting site, so we appreciate Let's... them. If you want to find us, obviously you already have if you're listening, but you can still find us there if you want to listen to more later on. Tell a friend. Leave a rating. Higgins, you know what will help the listeners, though, is if you tell them what we're going to read next. Oh, you're right. We're reading a run of Shazam because of the upcoming movie and you'll have to tell them what that is i figured you would say that that very thing so i already had it pulled up yes we are going to read uh for april's episode we're going to read a run of shazam specifically the new 52 run written by jeff johns jeff johns that's the one so apparently it's just back matter and collected in other justice league runs but you know you've got the internet figure that out on your own so join us when we do that but more importantly this isn't done yet kiker Thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank, yeah, you, thank you for you. having me on. This has been a wonderful experience. I like getting drunk. I like talking to buddies. I like reading. Thank you. We're happy to provide all three things. Um, Higgins, thank you for being on this episode as well. Because you have to be because you already agreed to do it with me. Yeah, I'm a host. So I mean, if if we're being honest, like you agreed to do this with me. Tomato, tomato. More importantly, this is a podcast where we reward people for supporting us. And since you guys have been here to help me do this, I wanted to give you a gift. So let me go get that, because I didn't actually have it on me. Talk amongst yourselves. What's the gift? It's a surprise. I have to piss. Well, yeah, it'll just... Will my piss be edited out? Is this for a gift for me or for the viewers? Oh, dude, I we love gotta this. Take, we're going to take a picture? You got the dog, you got the cat, I got the cat. Oh, man. So I got you guys. Thank you. My sister actually helped me make these these masks. We three masks. And we've got them all based on the drinks that we drank tonight. You've got Tinker the Cat Kiker. I'm so glad I got the rabbit. I knew you would be happy to get Pirate the Rabbit. And I've got Bandit the Dog. So, again, thank you guys. And thank you. Oh, sorry. And thank you to the listeners. And we hope you join us next month for some Shazam. Until next time, cheers, guys. And if I happen to come back, my catchphrase will be... Walla walla bing bang. And, uh, yeah, sign up. Uh, well, I still like Wink. Wink it is. Even after all this, even after they lost their suits, they've lost everything, they're still comrades. They're still comrades with cocktails reading comics. And that's the ending thing. You should put this at the end. Edit it to be at the end. <laughs> Three of, well, two of them. Episode two, we did it.